The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome, everyone. I'm so excited for today's guest, Robert Mack. So Rob is an Ivy League-educated positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, published author, and host and TV producer. So lots of good stuff. And Rob is also the guy that I really feel like I need to talk to right now because he's all about happiness and helping us live a happier life. And um, this is a journey that I've been on for a while now. And I think of myself as a mostly happy person, but I do feel for me in the last 18 months, it's really been around preparing myself personally for a higher level of happy. And I feel that. And I feel who I attract into my space and my life and even some of the teachings that I've done, because I tend to teach what I need to hear. So I'm excited personally, and uh, also to share your magic with our listeners. So Rob, welcome. Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And your energy is just contagious. I just can feel it through the screen here. It's fantastic. (laughs) I'm in the same experience, my friend. It is like intoxicating. I'm so excited. Uh, I have so many questions for you, but I think I'd love to start with your story. It's a great story about how you got to be who you are. So can we start there? Yeah. So of course, I took the long scenic path to happiness. (laughs) I mean, my first memories were maybe at six or seven years of age. And I remember being deeply unhappy, you know, stressed out, anxious, just feeling totally out of sorts, self-loathing, self-hating, all the things. And I just always thought I'd grow out of it, I guess. You know, I was like, I just need some friends and I'll eventually maybe realize this dream. I had a dream of becoming a professional basketball player and quite pan out. You know, I thought I'll do okay in school and, you know, eventually I'll, I don't know, I'll find happiness. Well, that did not happen, at least not right away. I mean, as I got older, and despite doing well academically, was saluted to one of my high school class. Uh, I had some friends, although I was also most shy of my high school class. I did well, pretty well athletically too. Went on to get a corporate job. I had a beautiful, wonderful, intelligent girlfriend. I just became more and more depressed despite all that. And I just became more and more self-loathing and self-hating and more stressed and anxious and guilt-ridden. And I just got to a place where I couldn't quite taken any longer. You know, I was experiencing suicidal ideation dozens and dozens of times a day and uh, didn't see any other way out. You know, I sort of had gotten all the things, you know, I wasn't rich by any stretch, (laughs) but I had enough money to pay my bills, have two nice German cars. And I had some friends and I had the girlfriend, I had the health, I had a good family. And yet I just felt really deeply miserable on the inside. So I decided to do some research 
And I looked up the ways to kill myself. And a lot of the means and methods I didn't have access to, a lot of the other means and methods felt too violent. So I just decided I was going to slash my wrist. So I went to the kitchen, uh, got a kitchen knife, uh, you know, I dug into my wrist. And I had the most unexpected experience when I did that. You know, I thought there'd be some pain. So when I dug the knife in, you know, I wasn't all that aggressive, as aggressive as I could have been. And as I dug the knife in, I just felt a level of peace and joy and a sense of well-being uh, that was inexplicable and it's really ineffable. Uh, this love, this sense of love. And so at that time, I just decided I was going to postpone the suicide for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't even know. I say 10 minutes, I say 15. I don't know. It was probably like five. Even that felt like a tall order. And uh, I was going to do some research, more research, different research. And interesting enough, lo and behold, that five, 10, 15 minutes, you know, sort of stretched, bled into a few hours and in a few days. And now it's been several, several decades. Wow. And uh, yeah, not suicidal anymore, to say the least. So that's my story. It was uh, the story of the probably least likely person in the world to become a happiness coach. Yeah, I kind of call BS on that because I do think a lot of times, you know, life will put us in the position that we need to be in so that we can make the 180, right? Or that we can do what we need to do. And my guess is if you were born happy, quote unquote, then you wouldn't have had the impetus to learn how to be happy to teach others. Totally agree. No question about it. So I always say that with a little tongue in cheek and my 15 year old self, 20 year old self, 25 year old self would have on a multiple choice questionnaire with one possible answer to a question of who is most likely to be a happiness coach. I would have never chosen myself. Right. So, um, yes, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, and I know that, you know, my greatest pain pointed to my greatest purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the case until we don't need them anymore. Right. Totally. We don't have to learn through suffering all the time. We can learn through awareness or just intelligence alone. Yeah. And I hope that that's part of your teaching. (laughs) Absolutely. It's the most important part of the teaching. In fact, it's the only reason I teach so that people don't have to suffer more to be happier, to enjoy life more, to experience more love. Yeah. The whole point is to reduce and eliminate the suffering as much as humanly possible. Exactly. And then when you find it in your path, learn how to turn it around and learn how to not get lost or stuck there. I would guess. That's right. Don't get lost in the sauce there for sure. It's critical. That's exactly it. I mean, I'm all about lazy intelligence. So it's like, what's the laziest, smartest way to get anything and everything you want ethically, of course, and happiness is no exception. That's why I'm a big, I wouldn't say fan, but I guess a student of the direct path, you know, and I think that, you know, this is what I offer the most direct path. Beautiful. And you got some education too. Tell us a little bit about that. You worked with uh, Martin Seligman. I did. I did. I was so lost and confused about what I was going to do with my life that I mostly just prioritized happiness for a while. So I did a number of things. I don't know if you remember as a kid having like opposite day. So the days we did everything opposite. So I kind of took that approach to my whole life because I was like, well, if the corporate job and living in Philadelphia and all these things aren't making me happy, what if I did the opposite? So part of that included a move to Miami you know, I started working in the entertainment business. And then lo and behold, I found this program at the University of Pennsylvania that was a master's in applied positive psychology program, of course, headed up by the founder of positive psychology, Martin Seligman. I had read a lot about him uh, in undergrad in college. And uh, he was mostly at that time focusing on learned helplessness and depression. 
And he had, you know, started this entire new field of positive psychology. So I matriculated into that program. And yeah, not long after that, started opening up my private practice. Beautiful. Yeah. And I'm a research psychologist by training. So I'm totally familiar with Seligman's work. And we'll have some of his books too in the show notes because they're so powerful and so important. But my best friend in grad school was a student of his and she studied depression. So, you know, growing up, he was the depression guy, the learned helplessness guy. And, but I think these two things go together, right? I mean, learned helplessness is this idea that if you make life more miserable enough for a rat in a cage and the rat can't figure out what's going to not cause suffering, meaning you kind of shock them randomly, no matter what they're doing. So they can't figure out the pattern, they get depressed. And I think life sometimes feels like that for people. Without question. And I'd say that at that place, when you reach that place, you're just sort of like a hairpin trigger away from either clinical depression or enlightenment, if we'll call it that. You know, you're real close to it. You don't realize you're real close to it. And the challenge, I think, an opportunity with most of us is that we continue to try to turn the walls in our lives into doors. But if we just go look for the right door, it's surprising what that door sort of contains behind it. You know, I tried to get too much, I think, leverage out of action on one hand and uh, even thinking on the other, especially discursive thought. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. There's no question. It's like, you know, from one perspective, learned helplessness, if you dive deep enough, is surrender. And surrender is extraordinarily powerful. Um, But on the other, it can lead to clinical depression, which, of course, is extraordinarily debilitating. Let's talk about the surrender because I think that's a real important piece. And I think that's actually where the gold is when it comes to when you get overwhelmed. Yes. Or when you don't get overwhelmed. I'm a fan of surrender anytime. Absolutely. You know, uh, discontent is divine. And uh, that's a funny way of thinking about it, I know. But when I look at my life, I realize the incredible advantage I had, even at a young age, when I began to discover that nothing in the world could make me happy. And it's a profound insight, profound insight. If you can continue following and tracing that sort of discovery or insight deep enough, because what it's, or what it led me to realize is that nothing in the material world or physical world will, or can make me happy. And so there's only one place left to look for it, which is not in the world, but within myself and not in the self that we think of as the personality, but in the divine self that we might not be able to describe or define at all. Right. I just love it. And you said, I think it was on another podcast, but also in the book, you talked about in your own life, how when the good stuff happened, when the doorways opened, it always felt like it was coming from another place. It always felt like it was guided. I've had the same experience throughout my life. I'd love to hear more about that because it all ties in, right? Oh, I love that so much. I mean, needing nothing attracts everything. Okay. That's one way to put it. Um, (laughs) Right. The other way to say the same thing is that when you know and aware that you already have everything, it attracts everything, right? And that's why you hear expressions like, you know, seek the kingdom of heaven and the rest will be added. And for me, that essentially turned out to be seek happiness within and success without will be added. Right. It will you know, be included, maybe is even a better way to put it. But yeah, everything great in my life has happened, not because of something great that I've done, but in spite of all the terrible mistakes that I've made along the way. And <laughs> I finally coming to a recognition that, you know, of, of myself, I can kind of do nothing. And, you know, my mom is great for reminding me of this, you know, anytime I've struggled in my life and something doesn't seem to be working out well, and I don't have any money or, you know, uh, health doesn't seem to be so great or relationships aren't working out. She says, you know, honey, every time something really wonderful has happened to you, it's always come when you've gone to the pool 
it's always come when you're relaxing, when you've forgotten all about it. You've kind of almost, not quite, but kind of given up on it, certainly given up the attachment and the pain and the suffering and the resistance and the seeking around it. And why don't you try that, honey? You know, she's always great for reminding about that. And that's absolutely true. It happened wow. with book, it happened with a modeling career, it happened with multiple TV shows, you know, practically everything. Wise mother. Because it's that gripping and grasping that puts the wedge between us and what we want to have happen. And also, I think that, and this is what I always get when we're controlling things with our mind, with our ego, like we're limiting ourselves because your spirit has a much better idea of where things want to flow. Oh, boom. I mean, how profound and poignant what you just said is. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, part of what has allowed me to increasingly lean into surrender is that I've come to realize how consistently wrong I've been about what will and won't make me happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and why somebody or something comes into my life. You know, often you meet someone, you're like, oh my goodness, this is an incredible person. They're so powerful and they've achieved so much. This is going to be incredible professional contact. And you realize that it later turns into an amazing personal contact or maybe just a friend. And in other cases, you meet somebody random, you think it's not going to really lead to anything at all. You have no expectations. And it turns out to be one of the greatest contacts you could possibly ever experience. You know, same thing with conditions and circumstances in your life. Yeah. You know, so I've and continue to be disabused that I know a whole lot, particularly about what the purpose, quote unquote, of anything really is. Um, the one purpose I'm always clear about is that the purpose is always for me to lead me back to myself and the self, which again, we use a capital S for, but it's also peace, love, and happiness. I'm always clear about that. I love that. Yeah. Because I was thinking about something else that you said, and I think that happiness, quote unquote, comes from one of two places. I just taught a class and this came through from my guides and they distinguished between head wants or head happiness and heart happiness. And I called it joy because we think certain things will bring us joy, right? Based on what we've been taught, based on what we've learned to believe about ourselves in the world. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't, but often they don't. But when we tune into that heart joy, right? And tune into what is actually exciting us in the present moment, that's when everything changes. And that's when you start to attract in more of that stuff. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And so true. You know, sometimes I say and think and feel that happiness is exciting, but it's not excitement. Yeah. Anticipation feels good, but happiness isn't anticipation. Right. And so there's lots of these and happiness is pleasurable, but it doesn't equal pleasure. Right. So I think of happiness as a body, maybe as pleasure. We can call happiness of the mind, all kinds of things. It might even be called happiness. And maybe there's a happiness of the heart that we call joy. And I would say that ultimately, of course, there's lots of ways of seeing happiness, lots of different ways to describe it and sort of angles from which to look at it. And that being said, I'd say that all happiness also comes from the same source. And we just misattribute the source of that happiness. So you have the happiness when you were a child and you were riding your bike and that was fun. And then your happiness later, maybe an intimate moment and happiness later, you have some chocolate and happiness later where it's a great book, you know, and in each of those moments, we ascribe or attribute that feel good experience to the book, the chocolate, the bike, the partner, but really it's just us getting a taste of ourselves, right? Of the true self, which is always not just happy, but happiness itself. It's not just peaceful. It's peace itself. It's not just love or loving. It's, it's love itself. So yeah, I love the way that you sort of broached that topic because I think for lots of us that can be um, 
well, it can be confusing sometimes. Yeah, no, that's huge. And you're giving me the the chills now because it's it shows you how the happiness is the inside out job and that things in the world can remind you of that internal state that exists within you all the time if you care to let it shine, but it's not the external thing at all that's doing the work. Oh, so good. So good. I just, oh, you get these <laughs> shivers. I get these soul shivers when we're connected. And just the whole time we've been connecting it, soul shivers. You're absolutely right about that. I agree. Yeah. But you said something else early on and it made me pause, but my brain couldn't catch it. And my brain's catching it now. So let me see if I can articulate. You said, you know, it's the learn helplessness moments, those moments when, you know, nothing is working. You're, you're totally ready to give up that you can find that inner light, that inner happiness. And it's at those moments when you're already really joyous and it's flowing from you naturally, normally that you can attract in that happiness. And that seems like a paradox, but it's not because I think that in both cases, you're invited to recognize where happiness really comes from. Absolutely. There's no question about it. You know, that's right. It's a recognition, right? It's it's not a new state. It's not a new experience. It's your true nature. It's your original face. It's really the experience you're most intimately familiar with, but that we all consistently overlook because we become absorbed in conditions, circumstances, experiences, the content of our life, right? And we miss the consciousness that essentially is happiness all the time. And we are that, that consciousness, that happiness itself. And you're right. And what's incredible, if you look at most of the moments where we experience, quote unquote, the peace, love, and happiness that we truly are, what's happening in those brief moments is that for once our mind is quiet and we're fully deeply truly present we're presence itself and so we taste this peace and love and this happiness that we are because the discursive thought is just on pause for a moment right it's sort of like all of a sudden the static on the screen gets cleaned up and cleared up and you're able to see what's actually on the screen kind of thing right but so much of our lives are spent absorbed in conditions circumstances, experiences, sensations, perceptions, that we miss the most obvious and evident experience, if we can call it that, ever, which is the happiness and peace and love that exists always underneath every thought, feeling, sensation, perception, and experience uh, that we have. But those moments of extraordinary pleasure, quote unquote, or pain, or even learned helplessness actually gives us a glimpse into our true nature, which is um, the peace, love, and happiness that we discussed earlier. Yeah, absolutely. You say in the book, happiness requires practice. Yes. And I want to shift to that because I think that there are moments when we can spontaneously invite in that happiness. And I'm I'm a big believer of the power of intention. And I really think that if you set that intention to, I want to experience that more, life will give you that path forward in lots of different ways. And maybe you'll find this podcast or, you know, you'll have that pivotal moment, find those pivotal people. But It's also, I think, something that we need to attend to, right? And there are things that, steps that we can take, things that we can do to maximize our potentiality for living in a more happy way. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So so I want to qualify what I'm about to say with this, which is that, you know, happiness being our true nature is something that ultimately requires no practice at all. Okay. Right. Right. That's the first piece that's really important for us to remember. I know in the beginning, I thought and felt like I was building Rome with this happiness thing. And that was overwhelming in and of itself. And it was also understandable, but I missed a greater, deeper point, which is that there are moments all day, every day, maybe not a whole lot of them that you recognize where you feel happy for no good reason, without any cause, 
and without trying or without a whole lot of effort at all. I mean, that moment right before you slip off to sleep at night and pretty much all night, particularly in a dream state, in the first moment when you wake up in the morning, I mean, when we wake up, we mostly feel like that was pretty good. I like sleeping. Like that was really, I felt happy. I was at peace. And you can see how easy it is actually to experience your true nature. Not just easy. That's even too much of a stretch. It's just already is, right? Now, that being said, we have through lots of practice, conditioning and programming made the easiest thing or the most natural thing the most difficult thing. And we've made difficult things really, really easy. And by that, I mean, we've, you know, practiced sort of holding on so tight that now relaxing that effort of holding, you're squeezing your hand, relaxing that effort feels like hard work, right? right? But it's not. So all that being said, you know, in the beginning of our happiness journey, it really is mostly about setting the intention and practicing that higher vibe, higher flying place, in space, that vibrational frequency that we talk about so much. And that's just about a number of things. I mean, I'd say it's at least four levels. The first level is just identifying those people, places, activities that allow you to feel naturally, easily, and effortlessly inspired, absorbed, engaged, consumed, like excited for life and scheduling those more and more into your life. And then identifying the opposite of those we'll call the first one's happiness islands. The second one's happiness values. Those are things people, places, and activities that just drain you of energy that you don't feel better for having done or energized for having done. And so you want to identify what those things are and then try to reverse engineer them out of your life. It's like, can I outsource, delegate, reduce, eliminate, automate, or regulate these things, these valleys? That's the first step, right? And then at some point we realize, well, happiness isn't just, of course, it's not what you accumulate, achieve, or accomplish, or it's not just the actions you take. Because sometimes you can be doing something that you thought always seemed very happy, but you feel unhappy nonetheless, or vice versa. You're doing something that always seemed like a nuisance, and now suddenly it doesn't feel so bad. So then you go deeper and you realize, well, happiness maybe is a state of mind, right? Or a state of mood. So then you start to tell a better feeling story based on truth about everything in your life, right? So it's like, if you have no money, are you broke? Or is there only up from here? Right. Both are true, right? But one feels better and one's more supportive in terms of what you want to achieve, accomplish, or experience, or feel. It's great how you said that too, because I know working with affirmations, which is something that people in the woo community, a lot of the people that listen to this show love to do. And I sometimes come across people that will say, I can't do an affirmation because it's lying, right? Because it doesn't feel true. And I've been told too, if it doesn't feel true and you keep saying it over and over again, you're planting some seeds, but you're planting them in icky soil. So it might take a while for them to grow. It's always better to start with what feels a little bit believable. But I love what you said too, because you you said we tell the story, but both are true. Both are true. You just find whatever is true that has a little bit less suckiness or a little, I mean, <laughs> that's probably not the way you would say I it. I love but. it though. It's, it's memorable <laughs> and it's sticky that way, right? It's sticky. Yeah. I love it that way. You couldn't have said it better, really. That's exactly what it is. You know, there was a period in my life where I was so focused on quote unquote truth that it was distracting me and preventing me from experiencing the happiness that we're speaking of, right? And I came to discover pretty quickly, I'm like, well, if I focus on something only because it's true and I can't do anything about that truth, it's not controllable, how is that helpful? You know, so instead of just vetting thoughts or conversations with myself or others based on exclusively whether or not it's true, I started vetting thoughts and conversations with myself and others based also on whether it was supportive or not. So the question isn't only if it's true. That's not a good enough reason to focus on it. Right. Is it true? And does it support you in feeling 
or experiencing or achieving or acquiring whatever it is that you want in your life. That's the challenge and opportunity. I love that. But also what's true, right? Because true is just the present moment, which is neutral and beautiful and memorable and amazing. And then the mind comes in and and tells a story about it. So true is whatever the most compelling story is. Maybe true is what the consensus story that you have agreed to is, but that ain't any more true than anything else really, right? So good. That's a huge point to underscore there. You're absolutely right about that. This truth thing is really tricky and slippery. You know, like the first thing you can say about truth is that it depends on the eye of the holder. There's that piece. But but to your point right away, it's like, just stick to the facts. Is it a bad day or is it raining? It's just raining. Exactly. Everything else is judgment and opinion. And that's where you start to get into trouble, right? And if you go beyond that, you know, I love what Byron Katie says, which is like, you know, every stressful thought is a lie, essentially. And I'd go further than that and say that every thought is a lie, that yeah. no thought can possibly capture truth, you know, truth being infinite. It's like, how can you fit the entire ocean into the into a spoon? You can't, it's impossible, right? So truth, and we know this, that, you know, every scientific model we have is a model it's an approximation of an infinite truth that we can't possibly not only capture, but we cannot even get close to comprehending with our very limited finite five or six senses. Right. That's it. We're always seeing through a keyhole. We're never seeing the whole picture. So you might think it's raining or say it's raining, and that's true on one level, but there are lots of ways to look at that rain and not all of them have to make you feel worse. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. My guides have been telling me for a long time that if you're looking at people that are supporting others, quote unquote, on the path to enlightenment, whatever that means, that there's really two ways to go. There's probably more than two ways to go, but they've shown me two of them. One is just releasing this whole mind thing altogether, which would be like Buddha, Eckhart Tolle, right? Just let it go. I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, sometimes I have. I'm going to call BS on my mind. (laughs) But the other way is to lighten the load of the collective mind, of the thoughts. And I think what you're saying, I know Byron Katie does both, but I think that's kind of what you're saying too, right? You can get there both ways. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beautiful thing. I mean, the the truth is you really can't not get there. (laughs) (laughs) There's that, yeah. (laughs) Like if you take any path far enough, or I should say deep enough, you eventually get there. If your heart, if you're earnest about it and you're eager about it, that desire will take you all the way home. And they all pretty much land in the same place ultimately. And you're right. Like at the beginning, I think for me, it was mostly a recognition that happy people and unhappy people don't always or really think very different thoughts. They often think similar thoughts, but the relationship to those thoughts is dramatically different. Happy people don't believe the stressful or unhappy thoughts. They're not as attached to them. They're not as addicted to them. And so they let them float through their head and you know, one ear and out the other kind of thing. And so there's that piece. And then there's the other piece, which is that once you kind of develop that relationship, suddenly you also are able to starve, quote unquote, the negative thoughts more and more. And you're feeding the quote unquote positive, or I call them constructive thoughts even more and more. And so you get more constructive, positive thoughts effortlessly and fewer negative, unconstructive thoughts. And then at some point too, you realize, well, even that feels like too much hard work that maybe I'll just sit and breathe and I'll forget about the world and I'll forget about my fears and even my desires. I'll even forget about myself. And I'll just enjoy being presence itself, you know, and we all have moments where we're doing that already. You know, in fact, we could argue that who and what we truly are is thoughtless and wordless and faceless and formless. 
And that's all it ever is or does is just be. Absolutely. I love that. You couldn't have said it better. And I got nothing to add. <laughs> Do you ever find like happiness is a hard sell? Yes. Um, it would be if I was trying to sell it. That's why I okay, stopped. <laughs> you're just, uh, yes, Victoria. Yes, yes, yes. To all the, I mean, even when people call me these days, very rarely, if ever, does someone say, I'm unhappy. Can you help me become happier, Rob? Right. Rarely. They'll say, you know, I don't have enough money. Can you help me learn how to make money? I don't have a relationship or I do have a relationship and it's unhappy or I don't have kids or I do have kids or, you know, it's everything but happiness. Occasionally there are exceptions and I love those exceptions so much. It's just so precious. But yes, I would say that, you know, it is a quote unquote hard sell. And that's why the best way to sell it is simply to be it, simply to be it. Yeah. Well, then it's contagious. It's contagious. Yes. But I think what you were saying too, is that people are still looking to fix the outside to get the inside to feel better. And then we're chasing our tails. Oh my goodness. That's exactly it. It's like, you can never get enough of something you really don't need. And positive psychology, <laughs> right? Like has a lot to say about that's, you know, one thing I really can appreciate. And I know you can appreciate because you're heart driven and you're also incredibly brilliant intellectually. And so the one thing I love about positive psychology particularly when I was struggling in the beginning and I didn't, it's like faith, trust, what is any of this? My life seems to be not going well. And the one thing I could feel like I could lean into is science. And the one thing positive psychology tells us all is that based on thousands of studies, they've come up with a happiness formula. And that happiness formula essentially is like H equals S plus C plus D. H is happiness. Okay. S is genetic set point. That means we're all born, 50% of your happiness can be attributed to your genetic set point. Wow. We're all born with it. Yeah. Some of us are wired a little higher for happiness. Some of us a little lower for happiness. Really interesting and exciting thing about that is that even that 50% of genetic wiring for happiness is malleable. It's plastic. It's completely changeable. So it's not like height uh, or eye color. We can improve it and we can improve it dramatically, right? That's the S. The C is conditions and circumstances for life. This is where most of us think happiness lies. And even if we don't believe it intellectually, we don't live as though we know that this isn't where happiness lies. But so that C, so this is all the things you can imagine that would make for a really wonderful life. So imagine you have infinite money, you have, you know, the perfect partner or as many partners as you want, you have as many kids or as few kids as you want, you have the perfect body, the perfect health, you know, perfect success, anything you want. Imagine having a perfect life. Well, science has found that if you add all those things up and you bring them all together, that that perfect life, quote unquote, only accounts for about 10% or less of how happy or unhappy you are. Wow. I would argue that it's even less than that, but 10% at best, right? And then the other 40% is B, what we call voluntary or volitional activity. So really 90%, at least, I will argue for 100 always, but 90% according to science or more is totally within your control. Wow. Yeah. And you're making me think totally not science now, because I'm thinking about from like the law of attraction standpoint, it's the happiness that brings in the good stuff and not the other way around. And so there's this idea, right? And I think I heard you say this on another show. And so I'm going to quote you and I might quote you wrong. Happiness creates success, but success does not necessarily create happiness. Am I close? You have nailed it. That is beautiful. Yeah. And it just stuck with me. I was like, yeah, it's so true, right? Happiness creates success. It does because when we're in that state, we naturally vibe with our highest self. We vibe with the flow of the universe. We vibe with who we really are. And then life cooperates. 
with our highest purpose. So it's, you know, it may be the car, the sports car, the girlfriend, the fancy job, or it might be something that's actually even better. That's really going to make your soul sing. Yes. But when we're just talking about success, success is an external thing that other people are deciding what's successful, what's not, it may or may not fit. And it also kind of keeps us hopping, right? It keeps us chasing. It keeps us thinking, oh, your happiness is out there. So you got to keep working to maintain it, to get it. And then we, you know, we've lost it. You absolutely nailed it. You're right about that. I mean, happiness is the greatest success, right? So it's the reason we want success. Yes. It's the highest wisdom. It's the point of the greatest wisdom. It's the greatest health. It's the point of the greatest health, right? It's, you know, the greatest love. It's the point and purpose and meaning and, and a name of why you want love or relationships. But also, it leads to each of those things. So it leads to more success. It leads to more health, leads to more love. It leads to more wisdom. So we know that happy people live longer, at least six to seven years, often a lot longer than that, longer than their unhappy counterparts. We know they make more money. They make about $600,000 to $700,000 on average over the course of their lifetime, more than their unhappy peers. Wow. They get married earlier, stay married longer, are happier in all their relationships, whether they're married or not experience less job burnout. They're rated as more attractive than their unhappy counterparts, right? We know that donate more time, money, energy, blood to social causes and to individuals. We know that in all ways, oh, happiness makes you more creative, efficient, effective, and efficacious as a thinker, right? So we know that in all ways, happiness increases the authentic and effortless success in your life. And Success will not increase the happiness in your life, not in that one-to-one sort of relationship there. So yeah, you just nailed it, Victoria. It's really important to remember that if you can get happy without all the stuff and people and things you want, you're happy. And that's the point of it all. But also you tend to attract all the people, things, and other stuff you want. Right. And again, it's that letting go too. You're back to surrender too. You're back to saying, my soul knows, my heart knows. It's all inside of me. And when I surrender to that, then I pave the way to let things flow back the way they want to be moving and flowing. That's right. The universe abhors a vacuum. So when yeah. you create that little vacuum inside by not you know, stuffing yourself up with so many stressful thoughts and worries and concerns, and even sometimes the desires can get in the way of that, right? Because so, so many times desires full of this resistant energy. It's just resistance often um, or this desperate needy seeking. And that's also a way of getting in the way of, of getting what you truly want. Yeah. When I get into those modes and it's been happening a lot recently, (laughs) to be fair, right? Where I feel myself grasping and grabbing and well, you can see me, the listeners can't. I'll do a little reminder of myself and I open my hands. So I'll just open my palms just to remind myself, my body, my energy, just relax into it, just surrender. And I find I'm doing that a lot recently. And literally I'll see in those moments, my hands are clenched, you know? That's profound. I used to do that with my shoulders. I would always have my shoulders up by my ears and not even know it. And then just bring them down. Mine might be there. I'm going to I'm going to take that one too. And I kind of know the answer, but the question's not going away. So I think it's a variation on the same theme. But what do you say to the person who says, I can't let myself be happy because then I'll lose my drive. Then I'll lose my edge. What do you say to that? I'd say you're running on dirty energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are much cleaner forms of energy that you could be running on that are better for you and your body and your mind and your heart and for the universe and all the people you care and love in this world. So that dirty energy is really an efficient source of energy. And I understand it's sometimes tricky and disconcerting and scary to switch over to a cleaner source of energy. We all struggle with that a little bit, 
Um, but it's worth it. You know, it's worth it. And you don't have to do it all at once. You can be a hybrid for a little while. Nothing wrong with being a hybrid. I love hybrids. So yes, it's an understandable sort of problem to create for yourself. We've all probably done that. I know I have. But you'll be surprised at how much easier and more enjoyable everything becomes when you live your life from a place of joy and peace and happiness and how much more successful and driven you can be with less time, energy, and effort. I love that. Message received. All right. So this is a podcast about intuition. Talk to me. Where does intuition figure into all of this? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say that it's like grace. You're never without it. It's everywhere at all points in time. And I would say that when in doubt, intuition is coming from inside of you. But sometimes the signs come from without as well, right? Because there is no inside or you know outside ultimately. Right. It's all one thing. Yes, yes. So um, you know, for me, I'd say that it looks and feels like the piece that passed the understanding. And that's where the challenge comes in. The mind thinks that it knows and it speaks so loud, but it knows so little. And the heart, you know, knows everything, but it only seems to speak in a whisper. And so to hear the heart, you have to quiet your mind. If you want to hear divine wisdom. You have to be either uninterested or unimpressed with your human knowledge. And so that's the challenge and opportunity, I think, for most of us is to get out of our own way. By that, I mean letting go of all the overthinking, overanalysis, and the discursive thought that gets in the way of this deeper, intuitive, felt sense of knowing that, you know, is always there. I love it. And what does intuition feel like for you? Peace. Just like peace. You know, it also feels like inspiration, right? Like anytime you're inspired, you know, I mean, really anytime you're feeling uplifted and the challenge is we can sometimes misunderstand the message there, you know, but anything that uplifts you, there's intuition there, right? Anything that energizes you, that inspires you, inspires literally means in spirit, you're in spirit. So anything and everything does that. And the question is, of course, to go deeper than your initial sort of surface level understanding and saying, Oh, it's because, you know, I, um, yes, it's because it's sunny out. It's a beautiful day for sure. You know, that inspires me. I felt lifted by that, but you know, go deeper. Where's that coming from? It's coming from you. It's always coming from you. Always, 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 always. All right. During this whole, whole conversation, my friend, I see your spirit guides. Okay. I see like your whole team around you. And I'm curious to know, are you aware of this? Do you like, they're beautiful. This guy has a whole team. And I have to say too, cause people can't see you. And I might try to grab a screenshot if I can figure out how to do that before we hopped off this call, your background, you have two pendant lights hanging down either side of your shoulders and they are creating angel wings. It's like incredible. Oh, I love that. I never noticed that before. Oh, it's freaking amazing. I just noticed it now. My guidance took me to it, but uh, your guys just, I don't know. They really want me to share with you right now. So first of all, what's kind of your experience? Cause it's, it's been happening through this whole thing. They're, they're not shutting up. I'm wide open. I want to hear what you have to share, Victoria. I am all ears and all hearts. Yeah. Just that you have the most beautiful group of guides that you are the representative of and that, oh, you're feeling that, that you are the representative of and that you work with here. And I definitely see the angelic energy. I don't usually make distinctions between different you know, realms. I don't usually even think about that kind of stuff. Um, but for you, it's really important that you feel the angelic energy and 
know that, you know, you may have thought that you were an unhappy child. The guides say, I hope this is okay. They were with you every step of the way. I see you in the crib and I see you playing, (laughs) playing with your angels even then. Uh, So it was always there. And they just want you to know that. They want you to know what a powerful spokesperson you are for them, for their light, for their energy. And they'd also like you to know that, you know, you talk to them all the time, but you don't recognize that's what you're doing. And it might be fun to free yourself up to know that's what you're doing. It'll be so fun for you. So I love that. Thank you. That is so powerful. It is so validating and um, so encouraging. That was so generous of you and the angels. Like truly, thank you for that, Victoria. Really, really, I feel um, overwhelmed with gratitude. That was super, super, just super. You're welcome. Can I tell you just a little bit more before we wrap up? (laughs) (laughs) I I might not get off. You're like, Rob, it's... uh, Friday now. It's a love fest. We can finish some of this after, but I just want to say, yeah, no, they just want you to know too. And this is good for other people listening. So you'll, you'll feel these aligned peeps. I think you know this. Um, and it's true of all of us that do what we do well, but they speak through you. Again, you're a spokesperson. You're, you're on the team. It's not a hierarchy by any means. It's just, you know, as we know, those on the other side, they never had to put on the blindfold. So they just remember all the, as our mutual friend Lisa would say, all the juiciness, right? That is uh, who and what you really are. And so they can help you articulate that and share that, but they want you to know they're with you at every moment. And they just want me to tell you like just how beautiful you are from their eyeballs and just how you're just rocking, rocking your purpose and your mission here on earth. So they just wanted to give you that validation. Oh my God. That's so touching. You're getting me emotional. Okay. (laughs) Really fantastic. Like, please, uh, I guess I can communicate directly, but send my love back. That was just everything. Yeah, they can definitely hear you directly, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's profound. It's it's usually easier for our guides to hear us, but sometimes it's nice for us to hear them through another, you know, set of windpipes just because of the old human thing. I am open to that always and like forever. Yeah. You hear them all the time. That's what the validation is for you that you hear and you're working with them and that you're aligned. And I feel that from talking to you. I feel that from your whole energy and I have so many more questions. So I hope we'll get another chance down the line because this has been just balls. And thank you. I'm so in. You let me know anytime. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. Rob, if people want to find you, they want to work with you, celebrity or not, because I assume some of your clients are just regular peeps, right? Yeah, for sure. Good deal. How do they find you? And we'll have all this in the show notes too. Absolutely. So um, folks can find me at my website at coachrobmack.com. You can also find uh, me on all social media platforms, probably most consistently and notably on Instagram at robmacofficial. Um, And you can find both my books, Happiness from the Inside Out, which is already out, and Love from the Inside Out, which will be out this summer, everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, I'm excited for the next one. Yay. All right. And uh, you have a TV show too? We did. Yeah. We were doing a morning show for a while called Good Morning La La Land. Um, but we wrapped that up uh, right when the pandemic came to visit. So yeah, we'll see what's next there. Hopefully, I'm looking forward to a few projects there and I'll make sure that I keep folks updated. Beautiful. Yay. All right. Rob, this has been so much fun. Like I said, thank you so much. My pleasure and my honor. Thank you so much. Like You are such a gift, a priceless, precious gift to this world. Thank you for sharing uh, your love and your light and your wisdom with me and with all of us. Like I just feel so honored. Likewise, for sure. And thank you everybody for tuning in and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. 
you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.